Welcome to episode number 51 of Nurses Living the Good Life. My name's Ann Conkley. I'm a certified nurse midwife and a certified life and business coach, and I'm so glad that you're here. Today, I've got a conversation recorded with Stephen Ferrara, who many of you will know. His name may be familiar. Maybe you've seen him as the president-elect of ANP. Maybe you have seen him uh, or know him through his affiliation as associate dean at Columbia University. Maybe you've seen his name in the Journal of Doctoral Nursing Practice, where he's editor-in-chief. Or maybe you've heard about him from the state of New York and their endeavors to establish full practice authority in their state, which they did successfully. Uh, And so I wanted to reach out to him. Him and to invite him on the podcast as a nursing leader and to get a sense of how he's gotten where he is and you know why he does what he does because you know as you can tell he is a busy uh, individual so he was gracious enough to share his time which I appreciate and uh, and I think this is a great interview where he talks about his journey and some of the things that really have helped him uh, and some of the reasons why he's chosen the roles that he has some of the things he's working on so I invite you you to uh, listen up and to listen in. And and I want you to consider, you know, he's talking about leadership and I've just stated he has several uh, formal leadership roles. But one of the premises of the work that I do is that there are really two types of nurses, in my opinion, right? There are nurse CEOs and there are nurse leaders. And you do not need a formal title to be a nurse leader. And I would say that the minute that each one of us uh, takes up the responsibility of stepping into the role of nurse leader, that is the moment when we begin to change our profession. So, so if you can glean anything from this conversation, know that what's possible for Stephen is also possible for you, if you are willing and and, uh, and interested. Uh, so, so without further delay, here's our interview. I hope you enjoy it and uh, let's go. All right. I've got uh, an exciting guest here today. I'm really excited actually. Uh, so Stephen Ferrara, thank you for coming on. I would love if you would introduce yourself and, um, and just start to talk a little bit about what you do now. And then we're going to get into kind of how you got here, but tell people a little bit if they are unfamiliar with your work. I don't know that they are because some of them have probably seen your name uh, somewhere, but uh, mm-hmm. they may not put two and two together. So give them uh, the backstory, please. Sure. And, and thank you, Anne, for having me on. So uh, I'm Stephen Ferrara. I'm a family nurse practitioner. I've been in NP for uh, 23 years now, which is hard to believe. Um, my current role is um, at Columbia University. I'm the Associate Dean of Clinical Affairs at Columbia, and um, I mostly uh, oversee our nurse practitioner primary care faculty practice, um, which was one of the first practices in the United States that was NP-run, um, started in the late 90s, um, and that's the practice that I lead today. Um, I also teach health policy uh, for our DNP students at, at Columbia. So, so that's my Columbia hat. And then um, I've also been involved in um, organizations, NP organizations. Um, previously, uh, for the last 10 years, I was executive director of the Nurse Practitioner Association of New York State, which is the statewide association for NPs in New York. And um, concurrently, I was on the board of AANP, the American Association of Nurse Practitioners, as Region 2 director, uh, you know, comprised the board of directors. Uh, I had sort of three states that were uh, I was I was linked to New Jersey, New York and Puerto Rico. And um, last year I ran uh, for president-elect and, and I won. And uh, I'm currently president-elect of AANP. 
and will be president come uh, June of 2023. So, um, and we could we could talk a little bit about what, what's involved with that. But, yeah. Uh, and c- congratulations. That's such a, I, I mean, I don't know. My thought about it is that it's a, uh, it's a huge achievement, I think. And, um, and I, I would love if you give some background because I am not as familiar with the, the number of NPs in AANP uh, and, and the, and the reach. And I know I get a lot of clients who are mm-hmm. either ANCC certified or AANP and, uh, and there's always, it seems now I'm an outsider looking in. It seems like yeah. maybe sometimes there's a little contention between the the ANCC and the AMP. And but I wonder if you can talk about um, the scope of that organization and and what your interest is and why you're there and why sure. you choose to run for president elect. Sure. Uh, so AMP is an organization of approximately 120,000. Uh, nurse practitioners. So it's a large organization. And there's a good number of that number are students. Uh, so they're not licensed yet as, as nurse practitioners, but uh, certainly that's that's their goal. Um, we are a national organization, of course. Um, and we definitely, um, there's always confusion with uh, certification for nurse practitioners. So there is the AANP certification board, um, which is actually a separate entity from AANP. It's 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 linked, um, but it is a separate entity, and and they are one of the two main um, national board certifiers for for nurse practitioners. Uh, the other one being ANCC. Um, and you know, there's it, it does go back and forth. And when I was uh, in NP school and decided to you know to what test I was going to take at the time, and again, this is 23, 24 years ago. It was only ANCC really was was the only game in town. But uh, over the years, AANP has certainly um, picked up a lot more um, uh, nurse practitioners being certified as uh, under that umbrella. So so, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I my encouragement to people is choose a test and pass it, <laughs> um, you know, get out and, there and practice and, yeah. and, and, and go from there. So, um, yeah. So, so that's it. The 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 thing about um, A and P, and we have this uh, mantra. It's Pearl P E A R L, um, is to be the voice of nurse practitioners in practice, education, advocacy, research, and leadership. So it's a good way for for me to uh, condense it in a in a short talking point. Um, but you know, we we do advocate for the profession. Uh, we do um, have extensive continuing education opportunities. We have programs for uh, for wellness for nurse practitioners. So it really is designed to be um, an organization that's representative of all nurse practitioners and that could support the profession. Um, and there's our profession needs a lot of support um, because there's lots of issues out there. Yeah. What, and what made you, you know, desire, cause I imagine you had to have some desire to go into the, uh, uh, to run for president, but what made you curious or interested in it? Um, it's a good question. I, I think for me, and, and I will say, uh, my disclaimer is I, I was not one to fully embrace the whole idea of a nurse practitioner organization. I blame uh, one of my mentors for basically grabbing me and saying, you're coming with me. And uh, you are going to get involved. Uh, You're not the only one that's had that happen. <laughs> right, uh, absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah, and, and I've I've employed that tactic too to people <laughs> that that I've uh, uh, had the pleasure to mentor. You're, you're coming with me, and yeah. uh, 
you know, we'll, we'll figure it out as, as we, as we go along. Um, so yeah, I, I was, I was sort of, uh, uh, grabbed and, um, said, you know, you, you should definitely get involved. And I think the power of being around so many nurse practitioners, um, is, is, uh, something to me that uh, gives me a lot of enthusiasm and, you know, to, to, to sort of understand that, we do control our own destiny. Um, we should be the ones making those decisions and having those discussions. And what better way to do it than with, you know, 100,000 plus nurse practitioners who are out there. And, you know, I, I always like to uh, look at the Gallup poll and the Gallup poll uh, about the most trusted profession. And again, this just came out last week, this week, um, again, nursing is the most trusted profession. And I feel, unfortunately, that oftentimes we don't leverage that. Um, you know, the, public, the public trusts us, yet here we are, we have, um, you know, lots of issues um, when it comes to patient care and uh, accessibility to nurse practitioners and to advanced practice nurses. Um, so we have to change that. And, you know, um, I've been, um, I've been uh, fortunate to, you know, be involved and have some successes um, to, to see that play out. So, so that has definitely helped me um, to continue on. Why'd you get into nursing? Uh, that's a good question also. Um, so I was, um, uh, always wanted to be in the sciences uh, as as a young young student. Um, had thought about you know all of the health professions, um, medicine, physical therapy, pharmacy, um, nursing, uh, and I, I attribute to my aunt uh, who is a nurse and um, had all along been saying, why don't you, why don't you look at nursing? Why don't you look at nursing? And I, I did blow her off and was like, eh, I don't know about that. And, and to be very honest, I didn't understand what a nurse was and what a nurse did as a non-nurse, you know, as a 18 year old um, person. Uh, so once I became much more familiar with the profession, I said, well, this is, this is definitely what I want to do. I want to advocate for patients. I want to speak to patients. I want to break down the medical jargon and I want to partner with patients so that we can work together on uh, achieving their health goals and being as healthy as, as, as they want to be. So uh, it made a lot of sense to me once I, again, um, the stigma was, was broken down and, and I saw firsthand um, what nurses do. And uh, for me, it was very obvious at that point. Did you have any uh, concern about going into a profession that was dominated by women? I mean, I I, I asked just out of curiosity because I don't know what that would I you know feel like just being in a profession that's ninety percent women, ten percent men. Um, it was a small thought. Uh, I can't say it was something I didn't consider, um, but I saw it as you know a way to diversify the the uh, the profession. I thought it would uh, certainly um, uh, have some advantages for me being, being a male, uh, 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 provider. Um, and you know, as, as we know with patients, patients have preferences. And if I can offer a preference to, to a patient, I thought that that would be a good thing, but it was, it was something that I was aware of. And, and I've certainly heard, you know, um, have had 
people say, make assumptions about me, um, you know, they're, uh, you know, uh, in this time, uh, you know, meet the Fockers uh, uh-huh. came out with, with Greg and, you know, being the yep. male nurse, you know, I, I lived that, you know? Yeah. Um, so it was a little bit tough, but at the same time, um, I had a good job. I always had a good job. I, I always worked hard and I said, you know, uh, necessarily, uh, care so much about what others think. I'm just going to do the, the best job that I can do. Yeah. What made you go to NP school? Um, so once I went into, you know, once I, uh, understood what nurses do, um, I, I quickly found nurse practitioners and I said, oh, this is even more attractive to me because I could truly partner with individual patients. Um, so, so I knew nursing, uh, number one. And then I knew that, uh, number one, a was going to be, um, nurse practitioner. So, um, I did work, um, about a year and a half as an RN, um, and continued on as, uh, in NP school. And, um, you know, again, once I was in that, uh, role or as a student, I knew again, that this was definitely where I wanted to be and, you know, be able to, um, to really make an impact on patients' lives. What's your, in terms of your clinical practice, what's the area where you like, I mean, I know you're FMP, but you know, as we know, FMPs can just, (laughs) just about do anything, which is, which is great. But what's kind of your clinical focus that you've always been uh, attracted to? Yeah, it's always been primary care uh, type settings. So I've done a little bit of occupational health, uh, which was, which was good. I was working for a health system and uh, was, you know, taking care of uh, uh, employee injuries at work, um, uh, needle sticks, you know, all the things that we don't like to think of that happens to, to healthcare workers, um, but always based in primary care with, with an emphasis on uh, preventative and, um, and wellness. So I've always tried to incorporate that uh, as as part of my practice, the 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 practice settings that I've been in, I've been in college health. Um, started pretty much out in in college health, which was a great experience. And um, you know, at the time, this was before I had children myself. So um, you know, you appreciated uh, seeing uh, patients, uh, college students who really, for the first time, were on their own and. Uh, trying to help them navigate, um, you know, what happens when you are sick and, and parents aren't around. Um, so, so that was a good experience. I've been in correctional health. Um, so that was an interesting experience, uh, a great experience. I, I was exposed to uh, a lot of different patient conditions there um, and did a little bit of uh, retail, uh, you know, the, the convenient care model and, um, and some men's health as well. Uh, interspersed, uh, in there, but it's been, well, again, all I, I, and I've been lucky. I've been fortunate to be able to have these, um, roles that I've been able to incorporate all these things that I found really interesting and, and, you know, found ways to really partner with, with my patients. You've had quite a tremendous role in New York's journey to full practice authority. And I'm curious, what made you get involved at a legislative effort? And um, and we talked a little bit about it before we started recording, just in terms of the journey, the 10-year journey uh, mm-hmm. to, to see that occur. But I'm curious of why, uh, what made you, what prompted you to say, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll head up New York and let's do this. 
Yeah, it it, it came from uh, my practice and and being arbitrarily limited as to what I could do as a nurse practitioner, right? And I had the validation of my collaborating physicians at the time, and and they would come to me and say, Stephen, why do I have to sign this form? Yeah, like. Uh, you can certainly do this Voice work. Everybody's yeah, saying. exactly. Yeah. So, so that, you know, sort of sparked in me, you know, yes, this needs to change. And then I, I really tried to understand, well, how do you make a change? Right. So I, I really tried to understand the whole legislative process, which is not easy to understand because there's a way that it's supposed to work. Um, and then there's the reality of how it really works. Um, but, you know, I, I, I understood that, you know, the, uh, every state's Nurse Practice Act is legislation, is a bill. It had to start out as a bill that has to pass through that legislator be signed by the governor. And that's where state practice is, is, is enacted. Um, so I said, I need to get involved. And if it's just a matter of convincing people, legislators, lawmakers to, to do this, well, then I think that's a discussion we, we could and should have with people. Um, so that's how I started getting involved in, in, at the state level uh, for, for nurse practitioners. And uh, that association, I was, um, you know, I, I had, uh, was on the board as, as membership chairperson and uh, treasurer. And then I ran for president-elect of, of, of that organization as well. And we found ourselves in the need of um, uh, an executive director. And I had been with the organization a number of years. And um, at the time, uh, I sort of said, I think I can do this role. Um, so I put my name in the hat, um, interviewed, and um, and they chose me to be their executive director, which was a different role than being a board member. Because Board member is about governance. You know, the board sets the direction of where the association should go. Um, being executive director is operationalizing what the board wants. So it was a, a, a bit of a shift for me, but I also thought that as a nurse practitioner, right, who's actively working, I could be able to verbalize on the fly to stakeholders what the issues are. Yeah. And say, this is a problem I face in my clinical practice. So, you know, I I I, I thought that that was um, an advantage for me and in, in, in New York, um, that I could say I am a practicing clinician and here's the issue. So um, so I, I became involved in that. The process was a long one. Right. Um, it even predated my my participation on the board uh, for when we started this journey. Um, but we got there and um, happy to have played a role in, in having that happen. What was the hardest part? Oh, um, the hardest part was convincing lawmakers. Um, we have the data, the data about nurse oh, practitioners. I so much data. Yeah. And, and I know that there are detractors out there who will say, oh, it's flawed data. Yeah. You know, well, the, the reality is there is no other data that proves it otherwise. Um, and, Definitely. and we have, um, you know, we have this, um, uh, you know, profession that is untapped I I as far as I'm concerned, and we can contribute, we can contribute and help with access to healthcare and social determinants of health, which is, you know, where our practice is, is, is integrated. 
So, so I thought that we could do that. The other, the other um, challenge was keeping members motivated, right? Keeping fellow nurse practitioners um, motivated and saying, look, we need to go to the Capitol every year. We need to go to lobby day. Um, they need, our legislators need to see us. And when you're talking a, a 10 year time period, that's frustrating to people, right? Um, yeah. Because, you know, we live, we live in a time when there's the idea of immediate gratification. Yep. Um, and when you uh, start out and say, we know this isn't going to happen this year, it may not even happen in the next five, um, but it's no reason to not do it. Uh, so it's keeping the momentum, keeping the motivation, keeping people engaged while knowing it's going to be a frustrating um, up and uh, uh, up and down journey. And uh, I think that's been quite challenging. Yeah. Um, I am curious, two questions. Did you ever consider opening your own, like a private practice? Was that something of interest to you? Number one. And number two, um, when you were talking about, um, you know, our data, I was thinking, I'm curious to know your opinion on, you know, the very common story, which I don't think is true, but the story out there, which is that the market is saturated on NPs. Mm. Mm. Uh, and I'm curious to hear kind of, uh, both of those answers. Yeah. Um, I'll take, uh, let's see, which one should I take first? Uh, I'll take the saturation one, right? <laughs> let, 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 let's go there. Cause that, that's a hot topic. And, yep. you know, I, I think, um, I think there are pockets, uh, across the country where there are a lot of nurse practitioners. Um, but I think if we look at those pockets and we look at their state practice environment, those are the areas where nurse practitioners are not being utilized to their full capacity. And they're in these quasi-limited roles, right? Because, the, you know, due, due to state law, they need a collaboration or they need a supervising physician. Um, you know, and, and I know that um, we as a profession, as, as nurse practitioners, we have to look at, at, at our own profession and saying, are we graduating too many nurse practitioners, right? Uh, you know, th this is, and I think it's a, it's a, it's a good question to ask, um, knowing that there are lots of NP programs out there. Um, and are we ensuring that there are quality clinical placements for, for uh, every student? Um, uh, you know, is there a job market? Having said that, uh, just this week, again, uh, you know, on the good news in the nursing world, uh, U.S. News and World Report uh, rated nurse practitioners as the number one healthcare job in demand. Uh, so, so there's definitely, um, uh, uh, you know, an alignment that there's a huge need still, um, but we need to make sure that those nurse practitioners that are graduating are going to have uh, viable employment, are going to be in areas where they could work to their full extent, uh, you know, to the to the full uh, licensure and education that that they've attained. Um, and I don't think that's the case everywhere. So, you know, I, I see it in states like um, Texas and in Florida, which are very large NP states, but they're also states where um, you need a collaborating physician. Um, I mean, Florida uh, was the last state, and this was just a few years ago, that finally allowed nurse practitioners to write Schedule II controlled substances without a physician co-signature. I mean, this was in the last, really? you know, handful of years. So, um, so, you know, when we look at that, um, you know, we have to, 
and 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 nobody's really controlling this. That's the problem, right? Um, so there is a free market, free society. You can go wherever you want to be a nurse practitioner. But I think it's, um, I think there has to be an understanding uh, for RNs contemplating becoming NPs, right? Why do you want to be an NP? And I think for a long time, there was the idea that you know really good nurses should become advanced practice nurses, and and I think that's a fallacy. Um, I I think. We need to, you know, understand advanced practice. Um, that's a changing model, you know, and I'm talking, you know, NPs, CRNAs, uh, midwives and, and clinical nurse specialists, um, you know, and again, all those roles, not every state recognizes those roles uh, uh, equally. Um, so what does it mean? What does it mean if you're going to decide to get this extra education, this extra training, um, are you going to be, what, what does it look like on the other side? So I, I think we need to understand that. And I see, you know, the posts on social media on, you know, from uh, RNs who became NPs and are finding the fact that they don't like being a nurse practitioner or they didn't, ex they weren't necessarily uh, fully understanding of what was uh, part of that role. And you go from working three 12 hour shifts, you know, um, and, 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 you know, being content with that lifestyle, right, of, of three twelves and four days off to all of a sudden going to work in an office setting, working nine to five, five days a week, which is primarily, uh, you know, not to say that all NPs work that, that, that in that setting, but um, that's more standard than, than shift work. Uh, and I think it's a, it's, it's quite eye-opening to people. And I think we need to do a better job. Uh, we nurse practitioners and you know, this is part of, of what I will bring to AA and P is really describing what the role is, um, finding out, you know, people's motivation to become NPs um, and help them make the best decision um, for where they want to be and, and what their, their goals are, um, which, and it's great that there are people like you out there and uh, that help coach people um, and give them some advice that, um, many of us never had, had access to or, or yeah. availability of. I, I look at it too. I get annoyed by the saturation conversation. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, because I think, you know, I can look at, uh, trying to get an appointment here at Cleveland and we have a mm -hmm. large, you know, we have a three large healthcare systems in one city. We have, uh, one of whom is the largest employer in the entire state of Ohio and so I look at it and say, if I still have to wait three mm -hmm. to six months to get an appointment uh, yeah. anywhere, we, we don't have enough nurse practitioners. And I, and I think it's very limiting when we start to get into that conversation, because I think it then uh, squashes any uh, hopes and dreams for the, the old way of doing medicine, mm -hmm. which I think is seeing a resurgence. And I really hope that it comes back a little bit, which is you start your own practice and yeah. you begin to look at, you know, not what's available, but what you can take with your skill set and what you can go out and create. And that's where I think, you know, there, I mean, anybody who's like the market center, I'm like, no, it's not. Mm -hmm. And until you have an NP on every corner, in my right. opinion, it won't be saturated because Great. we, we have people who need care. I and mean, you can't even, even in the state of Ohio, we look at, you know, our major cities and our rural mm -hmm. or urban areas have great access, have, have, I would say good access. Right. And then you get into a lot of rural parts of Ohio and, you know, whether it's maternity care or trying to get into an emergency room, they're driving. Yeah. I, I, yeah. You know, so 
I won't, I, I will have no part of that conversation. It bothers me to no end because it's so limiting in terms yeah. of when you start to think you're saturated, people mm-hmm. generally feel terrible because they feel like there's nothing left for them to do, which is That's very right. defeating. Oh, uh, absolutely. Right. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're looking around with this terrible mindset and you don't go out and, and, and add to you know, more data that we have. I mean, not that we need more data that says that our care is fucking amazing. (laughs) Right. Exactly. But but also only not only as good as, and sometimes better than the other options that are out there. But I just think, you know, we get down that rabbit hole of saturation and we're just, you know, then it's infighting and, you know, and, uh, but I agree with you. I think there's some work to be done uh, for, I would say the segment of MPs. I don't see as much with midwives because I Mm. think that they, you know, it seems like, and this is anecdotal, but it seems like they go in with more of a desire and knowing mm-hmm. a little bit more about what they're getting into, right? right. Like, you know, yeah. there's a lot of people know if you go into midwifery, you're probably going to be catching babies. You're probably going to have some co- call component, probably going to do some office work. And yeah. within there, there's going to be some other roles, maybe hospitalist roles, or you pick up a triage position or something, but, but in general, you know, they kind of know what they're getting into. And I agree though. I see a lot of, I've had a, a handful of clients at this point, they've come through the program, graduated, gotten certified, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and licensed certified. And then, and, and then they're, they've either started job one mm-hmm. and they quit because they say, this is not what I thought it was going to be, or, right. you know, they do a job for a year and, uh, or they can't get into a role and they start doing home assessments or some sort of DOT exams. And then they're trying to get into a traditional, you know, mm-hmm. role that they think they should be in. And then they get there and they're like, this is, this, this is shit. Like, yeah, right. like I've got four, you know, uh, 40 patients a day, or I'm going into an urgent care setting. I'm seeing 60 to 70 patients a day. And furthermore, right. I'm not on a comp plan. That's going to honor, you know, the productivity that I produce. So I, you know, I, I get a little bit, uh, worked up <laughs> about clearly, clearly yeah, yeah. about that one, just, but just a little, just a little uh, bit, yeah. but <laughs> tell me, tell me a little bit. Did you ever consider private practice as an option for yourself? Um, I've considered it, um, but for me, I, I, I think our healthcare system is so broken. Um, I think it's so difficult and, and talk about being defeatist. Um, you know, I, I, think, I think that's where for me, you know, and I've seen private practices, you know, physician private practice. I've worked, you know, with physicians and, and, and seen what they're doing. And I'm like, man, that stinks. And all of that, and, you know, and I'm getting reimbursed 85% uh, uh, based on Medicare, you know, rates. And I'm like, I'm going to do all that and make less money. So, so that, you know, for me, I I still do think about private practice. I I think about creating a new model and, and that's the beauty of what I'm able to do at Columbia, because I do have the support of the school of nursing, um, that I could take the practice in, in directions without a, sort of, you know, personal stake, right? You know, my, uh, yeah. my, my finances aren't necessarily, you know, uh, 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 on the line when it comes to, you know, what we're doing at the, at the faculty practice. But, but I, you know, I, I love to see, you know, and I'm always toying with new models and how can we do this different and how can we do this better? And, you know, the, the system works against everyone. Um, it's supposed to be status quo. And, that for me <laughs> has never been my mantra, right? I've always liked to try and, you know, mix things up a little bit and ask the questions and try to try to figure out how can we do these things better.
So I've, I've, I've thought about it. Um, I still think about it at times, but, you know, again, until I see, you know, things change and because I've been in primary care, you know, that's where I would focus my, my practice. And, you know, people pay a lot of money for health insurance, right. And to, you know, there's all, you know, different models out there as concierge, there's, you know, uh, prescription models. Yeah. Direct primary care and, and, and all that good stuff. And I, I don't, say anything negative about them because I understand at the end of the day, people need to make the decision. Clinicians need to make the decision that they need to make so they could, you know, practice as, as a professional. But, you know, for me, it was, you know, you're paying all this money for insurance uh, and you can't use it. Um, so, you know, um, I, I guess you could see where, where, you know, my, my leanings are when it comes to health insurance and folks mm-hmm. should be covered um, because we spend a heck of a lot of money on insurance. And at the end of the day, our, our healthcare outcomes are still not good. Right. Oh, shit. oh yeah. my God. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and, let's be and clear. we deal with that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you see kind of for the next five to 10 years of the profession that is exciting to you, or that really kind of gives you some hope and, or the direction of it? Yeah, I, I think, we are seeing that varying models out there. And, and I think we're seeing nurse practitioners being part of those models. Um, that's, that's good to me. Um, you know, I, I think we, we still will face uh, arbitrary barriers to our practice. And I, I, I hope, and I will work really hard to make sure that um, the other states, so right now there are 26 states that are considered full practice authority across the US and I am going to work my tail off to um, help and communicate with those other states to see how we could get um, over the finish line um, with with full practice authority for nurse practitioners because again it's it's um, you know our, our, our access to healthcare in this country is is abysmal. Uh, our quality outcomes are not great, and we we shouldn't say that that's okay. No, <laughs> and and the amount that's just spent in, in healthcare is just you know is just staggering. So you know we we work in a very reactive model. This is not a proactive model. There's not a lot of prevention that's incentivized, um, and you know clinicians get paid when they see patients, right? So there's an incentive to see as many patients as you can um, every day, because yeah, that's the only way you're getting reimbursed. Right. right. So, so we need, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that I'm seeing models emerge, you know, the, the, the accountable care organization model, um, you know, some of these insurance funded models that, you know, there are some people saying, wow, it's really, we're saving money if we can prevent treating stage four colon cancer. Right. As, as opposed Amazing. to, you know, getting, you know, making sure people get their colonoscopies and incentivizing clinicians to, ins- you know, to help their patients break down those barriers so that they can make those appointments and, 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 and get those procedures done. So, so I'm, I'm hopeful that that's where we're pointed in that direction, but, you know, it's going to take time. It's going to, and, and, and the progress is going to seem um, glacial, right. Moving so, 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 so slow. But, yeah. But, yeah. You know. uh, um, I'm curious. Um, you know, we talk in this community about living the good life. And mm-hmm. for me, what I, you know, one of the things I value is entrepreneurship as a way to 
do good work in the world and do well for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm curious what your version of living the good life is and what it means to you um, mm-hmm. and, and where you are in terms of how close are you to it? Yeah. Oh, that's a great, great, great concept uh, of living the good life. And, you know, I, I think for me, it's um, being as good of a human as I can be um, and, and not being an idiot uh, to people. And that's hard in, in ah. today's society. And, you know, uh, uh, I have to stop myself from responding sometimes on social media, right? Because I'm out there on, you know, Twitter and well, Twitter's a mess yeah. these days. Right. But even, even in some of those, those, uh, those forums that are out there, I'm like, okay, you know, this is this, you, you have to pull back a little bit because this is not going to end well uh, and you'll just end up frustrated. Um, so, so I, I think it's, it's um, finding a balance, right. Being a balance, being a good person. And, you know, I, I've been in a, um, in, in the last, you know, 15, 20 years, I've always had more than one job. Um, you know, uh, the, the role I had as executive director was a paid part-time job. And I was doing that as I was a, a full-time clinician. Um, and, you know, for me, the only thing I really know how to do is work, work, work. Uh, and, you know, sometimes um, not get out of that mentality. Now it's not good. Um, not a good one, but you know, I think where I am today is is in a is a fairly good place. Um, I, I do find balance uh, with with my work at Columbia and my A and P work. Although A and P will get busier uh, come, come June twenty six, come, come, come June exactly, come <laughs> June. Um, but you know, it's 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 um, you know being a little bit to, to pull back and um, you know be intentional. Be intentional with your time um, because, you know, for, for the longest time, I, I was like, you know, I'm a caregiver to, to my family. Uh, I have three kids. My wife is also a nurse practitioner. We met we met in NP school. Um, so, you know, for me, it's like I need to, you know, provide for my family like and I need to do whatever I need to do in order to do that. Um, so so now I'm I'm in a stage where, OK, I, I can sort of do a little bit more pick and choosing what I want to get involved with, um, where I want to spend my time. And, um, it's been, it's been good, but that's only relatively recent. Um, you know, that, that, that's really probably only the last, you know, year or so. And I think COVID has had some impact on that. Um, you know, from, from, you know, remote working, you know, that idea, uh, you know, previously I was, you know, commuting into Manhattan every day, going to Columbia, um, navigating that traffic, you know, which was a good, yeah. you know, uh, an extra hour on either end of my day, right? You know, an hour to commute inside uh, into the office, an hour to commute out. Um, I do have road rage as well, so um, you know that 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 was another that was another uh, aspect. So yep. um, taking that piece away and you know commuting into the city, you know, once or twice a week has been um, quite beneficial, you know, for, for my mental health. And, and I have that luxury of, you know, not necessarily, I'm not seeing patients five days a week. Um, I'm doing more consultations with the nurse practitioners I work with. Um, so uh, I have that, I have that quote unquote luxury right now. So, you know, I, I think I'm there. So, you know, it's, it's being, um, a good person, at least what I think is a good person and, and trying to help others. You know, I've, 
I found through um, mentoring others, you know, it wasn't, mentoring for me was um, a, a, a bit of a foreign concept, right? I've had very few mentors in my career, but the few that I've had have been valuable. Um, but I felt, and I think this is where that male nurse thing, you know, comes in. I think there were people who stayed away from me. So like, oh, he's a man. He, he can figure it out, whatever. Right. He, 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 he doesn't need any, anybody's help. Right. Um, and that's not the case. Right. Uh, I I was never shunning, uh, anybody willing, willing to help. Um, but I, I have to be very conscious to say that, you know, um, I could help people. And how can I best help those people? So um, I've, I've found a lot of um, uh, joy in, in being able to introduce people, just make connections. You know, it's it's been, um, you know, being an NP for as long as I have, you, you know, a lot of people, you know, you, you get to meet a lot of people. And, and if I can make a connection from, you know, knowing somebody needs, you know, assistance with something, I, I think that's, that's quite fulfilling to me. And, and uh, if I could impact that in a way, um, that's how I sort of uh, find satisfaction out of the work that I do. I wonder, you know, and I was thinking in Clifton Strengths, there's, I don't know if you've ever done Clifton Strengths, but you know, there's four types of people and I'm a relationship builder and they talk about, you know, they rank order your strengths one to 34. I have all my clients do it. So I understand a little bit more about, you know, how they present and where their strengths are. And it helps me be able to work with them. I think a little bit better and it helps them change the narrative sometimes about the story that they have about themselves, right? um, which I love, but they Clifton strengths will rank order the 34 strengths. And then in addition, I'll say how you lead when you go into a group and there's four categories, one's relationship building, uh, there are strategic thinkers, influencers, and executors. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think, um, you know, I wonder, I have a handful of clients who like the, uh, the, the chief collaborator, uh, or chief collaborative officer, CC, mm. which I don't know, there's an article that came out in Harvard business review several years ago. That was about mm. being a chief collaborative officer and being mm. the, essentially a super connector, right. like, Oh, you know, using your skills of relationship building, if that's something that comes easily to you and going right. out and making connections between people, that's what I do. I, and I love to do it. I'm good Absolutely. at it. Um, and, but I wonder if that's kind of one of those, um, you know, pieces, uh, yeah. for you. Um, what I, I'm curious to just, uh, and then I'll let you go. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for, it's all good. Yeah. For, thank you for giving us, you know, just a, a different, I think view, we talk a lot about entrepreneurship. I interview mm-hmm. a lot of nurse CEOs and I think just to get, you know, there in my mind, we have nurse CEOs and we have nurse leaders and you're either one or another, right. Mm-hmm. And you can't, mm-hmm. it's hard to become a nurse CEO without becoming a leader of yourself. Right. Right. And so, um, so I love just getting the perspective, but I wonder if, um, you know, there's something for somebody, there's somebody probably who's listening who says, boy, that's, you know, maybe that's not for me, or I don't, I don't have that kind of cloud, or I don't, wouldn't know how to do that. And I wonder just based on all of the wins and successes that you've had along the way, um, what advice you would give to somebody else who's maybe thinking about, some sort of a leadership position, whether it's in a school of nursing or mm-hmm. it's in a you know C-suite or it's a professional organization. And do you have any words of encouragement or, or advice to give? Yeah, I mean, I would always encourage uh, uh, someone who's desiring to move into those positions to, to try it. Um, you know, at the very least, uh, if you get an interview, it's an interview that you 
were able to experience. And, and if you don't get the role, it's um, something you can learn, you know, for the next time. And there was a time like before I was at Columbia, I was interviewing like every week, right? And these were jobs that I had really no desire to, to take. I was like, well, maybe I could do this job. But I was like, ah, no. I, but I interviewed, right? And the, the interview process for me was, you know, when you don't have, um, when you're not pressured because you feel like you need to get this job, when you're able to go in an interview and have that mindset, it's very powerful shifting, right? And, and you know, it's not like, yeah, I mean, I could take this job or not. I, I really don't don't need it, right? It's this is not going to be the difference between putting food on my family's table. So, so I I would encourage people to you know interview for those roles, and if you're able to get those interviews, because you you could build on that. And look, we all get. Um, experience in in our roles, right? And I think um, as we you know look at our profession and and you know it's it's part of our process of evaluation, right? We, we evaluate our patients. We also evaluate our 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 workplaces. You know, I think people get, get the idea of I would do that different, right? Like that manager or that CEO, they're so whatever, you know, positive or negative, um, and you could say that would be something I, I would emulate because that resonated with me or I would never ever do that in that leadership position because they made our, you know, our, the whole team feel, you know, inadequate. So, so I, I think, you know, you know, 4 million nurses uh, across the United States. Um, we don't have enough nurse CEOs. We don't have enough nurses in, in government. We don't have enough nurses as elected leaders um, and I want to see more. Um, I think, again, most trusted profession, how are we leveraging that? H how are we how are we becoming, um, you know, that trusted voice of, of health information? And, you know, we see a lot of school nurses. I mean, the school nurses are, are, are true heroes. Um, Amazing. What they what they have had to, 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 to go through these last few years, especially with COVID. Um, you know, they should be ones leading districts as far as I'm concerned. Yep. Um, so, so I'd love to see more of that. I would uh, encourage folks to, um, you know, and when it comes to planning, I'm not a good planner, right? Like I've done all these things, but I mean, in the, I have a loose plan in my mind. Right. And, yeah. and, you know, I see people journaling and, and I'm like, wow, I don't do any of that. I probably <laughs> should. Um, but at least in my mind, I have an idea of what I want to do and where I want to go. And, you know, I think the other thing that uh, is part of it is, you know, be open to things that are unanticipated because um, you don't know, you don't know when that connection you made, somebody's going to call you and say, hey, would you be interested in something like this? So um, I, I'm all about, yes, you should network. Yes, you should put yourself out there. Um, and if you have the chance to interview for for a high high stakes job, but you really know that you know, if I get it, great. If I don't, whatever, um, go do it. Go for it. Yeah, yeah I agree. Try it out. Um, yeah. All right. If people want to reach out to you, and this may be dangerous to to, uh, <laughs> to give out your contact information as you as you move into the uh, the president role, but. Uh, if people want to contact you, whether it's related to Columbia or it's uh, for AMP reasons, how can yeah. they go about doing that? So uh, I'm all out there on social media, uh, LinkedIn, 
is probably like, you know, if we want to stay, you know, professional-ish uh, LinkedIn, but I'm also on Instagram and uh, and Twitter. Well, again, all, although Twitter is very tough to follow these days, I get, you know, there are so many like bots that are following yep. me. I, I used to be so proud of, of my Twitter, right? It was like, oh, I had this curated list of people of health professionals that I would interact with, you know, across internationally, really. And now it's like, not. So I think I, I think I saw an Instagram uh, statistic, which was something like uh, 40% of accounts are um, bots or some sort of, uh, they're fake or, and I thought, oh man, that's, that's quite interesting. I don't think I would have anticipated it, 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 but. um, It's interesting. Uh, okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for thank you. sharing just your story. And there's, um, there's undoubtedly somebody who will, if not many who will benefit just from hearing about I think your journey in leadership and really, uh, and, and I think from a legislative standpoint, just opening it up and really talking through, um, you know, some of the trials and tribulations mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. going and continuing that the good fight, so to speak, right year after year, even when it feels terrible and it feels hard and it feels like you're not going anywhere, um, the change can happen. So I appreciate uh, that. All your efforts uh, for New York, knowing full well that when one state does it, when 26 mm-hmm. states, you know, chief full practice authority, we we've got momentum, which is good for the rest of us who aren't absolutely there. Um, so thank you for that. Um, all right. Um, thank you so much. It was so nice to, um, interview you and thank you for sharing your time today. Thank you, Anne. I appreciate you having me on and, uh, look forward to, uh, staying connected. Take care. Hey, if you're ready to live the good life, I want to invite you to join Nurses Living the Good Life, my group coaching program for women advanced practice nurses, where you're going to learn how to do good work in the world and do well for yourself using my proven formula, a coach approach. Best part, it's risk-free. You're either going to learn how to create your version of the good life or I'll give you your money back. Just head over to www.nurseslivingthegoodlife.com and we'll see you inside.